0: Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FP&A leaders and planning experts. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Being Planful. Today, I'm really delighted to be joined by Stacy Brown of UHY Consulting. Stacy is the Lead Service and Delivery Manager for uh, implementation projects of FPNA solutions. So, Stacey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, glad to be here.
0: No problem at all. We love to have uh, guests like yourself. Uh, One thing that I've learned is that you've probably led over 100 different implementations. So can you talk to us a little bit about your background and experience and, and what you do at UHY?
1: Um, Sure. So I've been in the consulting industry for about 13 years, assisting organizations find efficiencies with applications focused on finance, um, ERP systems, EPM applications. Um, I got a degree in accounting from college and decided um, I didn't want to take the traditional path that all of my um, colleagues were taking at the time. I didn't want to be an auditor um, and landed in a job to consult on EPM. And that's really how my career started. Um, I was told when I got the job, I can teach you IT, but I can't teach you accounting. And so that's pretty much how I got started. And I just learned the modules. Clients um, asked me questions. I, I answered them to the best of my ability and, and learned really that consulting is more about listening and to understand and empathize with the client and their frustrations and then find a solution for it. Um, I never told a client I knew the answer right away, but I had the resources at my hands where I could find the solution for them. And that's what I did.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think one of the things that I've seen with some folks in their careers when they go into technology, uh, and they they haven't been a practitioner so to speak. That's that's a, a path that I took. I, I went into kind of pre sales, and I was trying to tell everyone how they should be doing things before they'd even a got the product, and and b I'd never really lived in their shoes. What challenges did that come with? But also, what advantages? Because sometimes it's an advantage to you know not know what you don't know. <laughs>
1: Right. I think the disadvantage is the confidence, right? And knowing that what I'm telling them is correct. But I think the benefit of it is I'm really empathizing with them and understanding what their frustrations are with applications and really doing what's in the best interest of them, not just what I've seen or what I've done in the past. I'm really trying to understand because every organization is different. Um, I can work with the same um, nonprofit organizations, for example, and they do similar things, but they all want reporting a little different. They enter transactions in an ERP system a little differently, or they want to capture different information. And so really just understanding what their end goal is and getting them there is the whole, the whole idea behind it.
0: Yeah. No such thing as a best practice, just a best practice for you and your organization.
1: Exactly. I mean, they'll at you know a lot of times clients will ask me, well, what's the best? You know, what have you seen? And I'll give them those suggestions, but I'll also tell them why it will or will not work for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the the challenge as a um, as a consultant uh, is is to leverage all that experience that you have and guide them to the best decision that they can, they can make at that point in time, right? With the information that you have and, and often the time, the time constraints that you've been given as well. Yes. So you, you've implemented um, FP&A technology at probably over 100 different organizations. What are some of the common themes that you see uh, in organizations that are more ready to adopt?
1: Biggest themes that I tell every client this at the beginning of an implementation is just getting into the tool. Um, I see more success the faster a client can get into the tool and start working with it, than those who kind of push it off and push it off because either they don't, they've got team members who don't want to adopt it and are stuck in their ways and and worried that the efficiencies are gonna, you know, are a job risk. Um, than those who really dive in. Learn all they can about the tool, and and let the tool work for them, and not work against it.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that's key. Um, ha, have you seen any organizations that have prepped their team to be ready to dive in, and they've they've done some level of pre work versus the old surprise? There's a new tool new t- here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I I typically see now more people are bringing their team in so that they're not surprised by it. Um, I always tell people you need to bring the people in as soon as possible because they're going to be the ones working in the tool. This isn't just a solution to get reporting for the CFO or to get a management report deck out to the board. It's really about creating efficiencies so that your FP&A team can have that so-called work-life balance, right? So they're not up late at night um, trying to check figures or, you know, I've even seen team members losing their lunch because they're comparing their board decks to their ERP and their reporting tools to make sure that they all tie. So it's really bring them in so they can understand the efficiencies and what's going to help them in their job.
0: And has there been any kind of specific stories around, you know, maybe, uh, you know, don't don't tell the individuals or the company names, but where, <laughs> you know, someone has been losing their lunch hour, you know, uh, leaving the office at 10pm at nine, and, and then the implementation has actually given them back their life. Do you have any stories like that?
1: Yeah, I think of one all the time I was up in Boston doing an implementation, actually, of Planful. And we were at lunch, or I was at lunch, they were sitting there going back and forth between their board decks and their ERP system. And they took the whole lunch for several days preparing for the board meeting um, while we were trying to implement Planful. And I know that now that they're not having to do that, that they can have confidence in the numbers that they're reporting on because it's one source for the truth. And that's what technology allows you to do. If you leave Excel and you use a technology you're no longer stressing about, is my number that I'm providing either to executive leaders or the board wrong? I'm more worried that my formatting and that I'm sending the correct information, the information that they're going to ask about to
0: them. Yeah. And some, something that I've seen in, in my time is they're more than worried about the, the value add work. You know, can I get this extra scenario into the, the board deck? Can I, can I do some more what if analysis? Because the core, you know, cyclical part of the the FPNA process is, is being handled, and right. the flip side is okay. Well, now where's all the value add, and how can I demonstrate that um, to whether it be, you know, a marketing leader like myself, or whether it be directly to the board on you know a long range plan or something like yep. that.
1: And and you can imagine with with COVID nineteen right now. With fp and and all the different scenarios, I mean, I've talked to numerous departments and they're talking about how they're having to forecast over and over again, month after month after month. And if you don't have a plan in, in place, what is that doing to your team members? They're already stressed about what's going on and what they need to do for work um, and their personal life. I can only imagine the stress that they had if they didn't have a tool to help them through the process.
0: Yeah, we certainly, uh, at the start of what we call the ambush, we saw a, a huge spike in usage uh, in different components of our product that were more around the, the what-if scenario analysis. Um, when you think about going from a place where you don't have a tool and um, you, then you do have, have a tool, this often isn't just kind of um, going from Excel or some other legacy tool into uh, a, a more you know modern planning application, it's generally part of a modernization of, of the back office. What do you see, and as you talk to, to customers and clients, what do you see as the biggest challenge for a, 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 any back office transformation?
1: It's really just understanding what your priorities should be um sometimes executive leaders have an idea of what they believe the priority should be but they don't understand the steps that the staff are taking to get to that point so really understanding where the issues lie and what the priority should be um is is a big thing um for people and i think too um executives sometimes want to not to badmouth executives but they want everything right then and there. Like in that moment, let's do everything. And I don't think that that's how you get user adoption of a tool. If you break it down into smaller pieces and get team members comfortable with smaller pieces, that makes the tool more successful as a whole and allows them to promote the tool within the organization and how great it is within the organization.
0: So you think of it more as a kind of agile value chain, start with the highest value, potentially use case first, where you can get up and running quickly and then move down the value chain as you need to solve more and more problems.
1: Exactly. And that gives a person who may not be comfortable with technology, because not everybody is comfortable with technology, the ability to get comfortable with it before you make their whole job that one technology application.
0: So, what advice would you would you give to folks that are listening that may not be on that um, that back office transformation journey? Right, they're um, often, um, you know, maybe leadership hasn't prioritized, um, you know, technology expense in GNA and a they are unfortunately suffering, and and they're looking to to get into that transformation mode. Um, what advice would you give them to to kind of what can they do now before they rush out and solve something with technology or kind of end up boiling the ocean, as you've described?
1: I think a couple things. One, identifying the priorities if you haven't done so, right? Getting with your team and understanding what your priorities are. Um, B, identifying if you're flexible, right? Some organizations are very flexible. They're doing reporting or planning a certain way now and, They are flexible to change that. You know, they're not in love with what they do um, and the way that they do it. And so they have an opportunity to identify, okay, is this a time for change? Or identify, are you the organization that really likes the outcomes? It's just too difficult to get out of what you're doing right now and what they are. Um, I would also say most important thing would be to... Not only prioritize what you want your outcomes to be, but what is, what does a system have to have to be the system of your choice? Because I see a lot of struggles with organizations where one person may want one thing in a specific system and another person wants something else. Well, which one outranks the other? You see what I'm saying? So really understanding, you know, what you want your outcomes to be, what who, what priorities are more important as a team, not as an individual, um, I think will help in the long run.
0: Yeah, really getting consensus around what is the, you know, it's classic, um, you know, IT transformation, get consensus around what the goals and objectives are, whatever we're going yeah. to do, um, you know, make sure that people understand what we're trying to accomplish and then you can bring the technology in. Have you seen any specific um, trends or changes in in FPNA that have helped you kind of either do less of that cohesion because you can be more iterative, or um, you know specifically looking at where where has technology come from in FPNA so that people may be able to get up and running faster without doing as much of that pre work as they maybe used to have to do?
1: I would say most of the trends that I've seen is people want, people either want to completely change what they're doing, which that is a huge feat. That's not a simple task. I think organizations that have nothing, who all of a sudden need to be budgeting, um, need better structured reporting, they have a bigger uh, hurdle to jump. They, they, it's not as simple as just putting a technology in place and it'll be there. There's a lot of things that need to take, you know, they need to take into consideration before they do. Other organizations, I see a trend where they just want to pretty much take what they have in Excel, if that's the tool they're using. um, And then they just want to kind of put it in place into the application. And I'm okay with that a lot of times because that gives them, the ability to get comfortable with the tool. My whole goal is that people are comfortable with the technologies that they're using and so that they can leverage the tool. If they're not comfortable with it, they're just going to revert to their old ways and mm-hmm. not use the tools. And then they're back to inefficiencies. Um, and so my thought would be if you have something that's semi working, but it's just not there and, and a technology is going to help you, which most likely it's going to, I would say, just take the one baby step to get what you're doing into a technology. And then from there, you can improve upon it. So don't think that you're going to get, you know, utopia in, in a month. Yeah,
0: I, utopia is unfortunately a, a, a journey, right? I think, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, if yeah. I remember the, the Land Before Time, uh, that, um, that great movie... Obviously, they were all going to Utopia, but they had to get on a journey to go there. And, uh, right,
1: right. <laughs> and I think people think that they're just going to magically get it. And I, I wonder if that's part of today's world, right? You get everything at a click of a button. Um, and, and people need to understand when you're implementing technologies, um, whether that be ERP systems, EPM tools, um, anything that's going to make your life a little bit easier and maybe a little um, more work at the beginning to make sure you're getting what, what you need to make your job
0: easier. Yeah, just you, you've, you, you only get out what you put in, right? And right. Uh, I think it's a, it's a cliched, overused term with technology. Um, but it, uh, unfortunately, it's true, right? Um, yep. As soon as you're able to invest that time into making that initial use case uh, be successful and then iterate upon that, then it becomes much easier to get to that and faster to get to that uh, end state that, that we all want to be in. Right, exactly, exactly. Have you, have you seen any trends in terms of like more successful companies starting with different specific use cases? I know I talked about the value chain before. Have you seen kind of a, a trend where it's like, well, if you start with this use case, get that solved and then move on to some of these more incremental performance gains? that actually seems to be a a great pathway for success.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how I approach every project is when we first kick off the project, I want to know where the majority of your pain points are. Let's talk about, you know, how big is the pain point? How um, difficult is it going to be for us to overcome? Is there a lot of changes that you need to make to what you're doing now? Or is this something we can implement quickly? Because I want to do a combination of both. I want to implement some things that give you some quick wins so that you see how the tool can be successful. Employees can see how it's making their job easier. But I also want to take time to start working on those that may take a little bit longer to accomplish. And then those just grow, right? So I I always like to take a phased approach. And I've been talking probably this whole podcast about it. It's all about phases. Because... You'll see that once you start crawling, you're walking and then all of a sudden you're running and then you're addressing things that you didn't even think of at the beginning when you're implementing the tool. Because now you have time and you can say, oh, it would be really cool if we could do X, Y, Z. Let me see if the tool can do that, you know. So I really go, I really advocate for the crawl, walk, run. And and
0: what. What questions then can um, folks ask themselves before someone like you comes in and, and you know, uh, with all your experience and ask them the questions like, you know, what are the pain points? What are those areas that are high value? How can uh, how can our listeners ask themselves those questions now?
1: I The questions I usually ask are things like, what takes you the longest to complete? If you're doing month-end reporting, what's the most difficult information to gather and where are you gathering it from and why if you're doing budgeting what's what's the timeline what how much time are you spending those can really identify where your issues lie and where we can get where we can get improvement and efficiencies with the system
0: that makes sense so for those listeners out there you do a quick self-audit of you know how long is your close process? How long does it take to get the board deck out there? How yeah. long does it, it, it does it take for your annual operating plan and 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 I think the other thing is at what intensity? Because sometimes it can take some time, but it's really low intensity. Yeah. But if it's taking time and it's at super high intensity, then that creates all the stress that that you can, you know, use uh, technology and and someone like uh, Stacy's expertise to, <laughs> to help solve that level of intensity. That's not where right. everyone to be operating.
1: And I think you need to think about not only how much time is it taking you now, but where do you want to go? Like how fast do you want to be able to close your books or how fast do you want to be able to get that monthly reporting package out? If it's, you know, it's taking you 20 days now, but you want to get it down to five days, that can identify, okay, well, what things is taking me so long to get between 20 and five, you know, understand what, what the bottlenecks are. Cause I think a lot of organizations don't realize what the bottlenecks are when they're, when they're doing these things.
0: And I think that's one of the things that when I talk to, uh, to other leaders about it's, it's, they don't understand them because they haven't had time to step back. Right. Because they've, Spending 20 days doing the clothes, or <laughs> right. The spending, right. So that to me is one of the one of the signals is that if you don't have the time to step back, then you need to actually step back. Right. Um, but it's really hard to do with the cyclical nature of of what uh, you know finance leaders have to do. Is there? Right. And I
1: think so many people are just down in the weeds, like you said. Like they don't. You know, I I have clients who disappear on me every two weeks, every month because they're so bogged down with the things they need to complete that they can't lift their head up for a minute and just see and, and be able to do what they need to do to make it better.
0: So aside from just telling them to make the time, is there any advice that you can give?
1: Um, a couple things. Have one person who's advocating for the tool and, and focusing on it. Um, I've seen a lot of success where there is – either a project manager implementing the technology who's managing from your side, kind of pushing the team, um, to, to focus on it when maybe they don't feel like they have the time to do that. Um, to understand that it's going to get a little difficult before it gets better because you're not, I tell everybody, you're not just doing your day job. Now you're implementing a tool. Um, And and we don't need a lot of your time to help you implement the tool, but we need some of your time. Um, And just understanding what those expectations are and preparing yourself for that. And I think, you know, over the past year, I've seen people say, you know what, it did take me a little bit of time to explain things to an implementation service person, but I can see how it's helped me because what you'll find if you, is if you find a good consultant, they're not going to only just do what you ask them to do. They're going to be identifying where you can improve things and where things aren't technically right to make your life easier.
0: A hundred percent. And I think that's, uh, that, that's true of, um, of any provider really. Like that's why we, utilize solution consultants and and consultants like yourself is because they can find the shortcuts um, quickly, but they can also navigate you through that really rough sea when things are getting a little bit uncertain and you're not really seeing the nice mirage there or the perfect (laughs) tropical island. You've got to get through some of those rough patches. That's where the reward is. So Exactly.
1: And I think too, like sometimes, like we said earlier, they're so down in the weeds. They're so close to the data. They're so close to it that they can't see it from a higher level. So bringing that extra person in can help you see the data at a higher level. Can really step back and start asking the questions of like, why do you do it that way? Do you have to do it that way? Do you want to change that? So I think that's where consultants really can help. An organization.
0: Absolutely. So, um, you know, I would say for some listeners, you may be an inspirational consultant to them. Um, who's been an inspiration in your career?
1: Um, two people come to mind. Um, a guy named by the name of Warren May um, out lives in Northern Virginia. Um, really guided me to and and taught me the tricks of the trade for consulting, how to be the best consultant I can be. Um, Shireen Mahoney was another one. She was an executive at my previous employer. And um, as a woman, I just admired the way that she led the team um, and how she commanded the room. So those would say the the two biggest, and then obviously I've worked with a lot of great people. And so I just try to take little tidbits from everybody uh, and, and learn as I go.
0: And, uh, and so are there any other FPNA leaders that you'd want to hear from on, on this show?
1: I'm really interested in hearing from people from all kinds of industries and understanding um, really what, what has made, how has a tool made them successful? Um, I hear about a lot of problems within various industries um, and I'm just interested to see how people have solved them. Not only the way I've solved them, but maybe other people have solved them. Yeah, as well.
0: you want to, want to hear everyone else's perspective. So, yeah. and then uh, I'll ask our final question that I ask most guests. Uh, what does being planful mean to you?
1: So I thought, I, I've been thinking about what does planful mean to me? Um, planful to me means giving people back their lives, being efficient with your time. Um, Somebody used to always tell me work harder, work smarter, not harder. I used to hate the quote, but I really live by it now. I, I find my joy in making people successful and making their lives easier. And that's what planful is to me.
0: That's amazing. Well, Stacey, it was a real pleasure to have you on the Being Planful show. Thank you very much. And I look forward to speaking with you soon. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your
1: podcast, so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.